Yes, hello, welcome one and all to Into the Night, a Moon Night podcast. A podcast where we do everything in the name, talk about the night sky and Moon Night and a bunch of other crap, not including news because there was none this week. I'm one of your hosts, Connor, and I'm here with Ray. How you doing, Ray? Hey, how you going, Connor? How are you? I'm doing bloody good because this week we're dropping not one, but two episodes on your head. Yeah. Uh, coming up... Uh, Either before or after we release this one, this episode with uh, Chris from Defenders TV Podcast, all about the good old uh, Rack Knight issue 2 that dropped this week. Mm. And uh, today, we have, uh, well right now, for this episode, we have uh, reviewing Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 1. So it's a, it's a, it's a bloody cool week this week, I'm telling you what. Yeah, this is um, qu- going to be quite a, uh, a a big issue of sorts. Um, this is kind of the the title series that kind of kicked everything off, isn't it, Connor? I mean, we've had cameos before uh, with Moon Knight making appearances in the Hulk magazine and, and in other comic books like The Defenders and, and The um, Amazing Spider-Man, but uh, this was his very own solo title, so a lot kind of hinged on how Doug Mensch and Bill Sienkiewicz set things up here, and, and uh, we'll be looking at this first issue. Yeah, so it's a it's a bloody big one, and I think we're going to spend the majority of the issue on that. Before mm-hmm. we get into that, and its importance, what you've been up to, Ray? What you've been reading? What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, things have been things have been well. Kind of, I can't believe. Can you believe it's December already? I know. Uh, so we are hurtling towards the end of the year. Um, I've just been, I don't, I've just been reflecting, and I'm thinking maybe I don't know if we should do a show towards the end of the year, Connor. Just maybe a bit of a a recap on what we've achieved this year. I mean, it's been a bumper a bumper year for podcasting. I mean, we had uh, two massive interviews with both Max Bemis and Jason Burrows. Uh, we've had the Isle of Ra kind of sessions. We we kind of stopped a little on the the bare bones, but we've um, added a lot more a lot more different flair to the show. Um, so yeah, just been reflecting on that because it's been a it's been a big year. Yeah, no, actually, I've been uh, doing much the same, and I've been, uh, I think, probably wait till a bit end of the year as well when we recap on that. I also want to throw it to the audience to mm-hmm. talk about what they, what they want to see from us in 2019 as well, because, you know. Yeah, that's a very good point as well. We do love to hear feedback. Um, I know you and I, we've discussed as well, we've got some things cooking as well that potentially may, uh, may surface uh, for ITK next year, so that's always very exciting as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it'd be great to hear from the loonies as uh, you know what they'd like to see more of, um, and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe more guests next year, Connor. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking lately we haven't had a bit of an Isla Ra for a while, so I want to hit up anyone listening, podcasters, listeners, whoever you are, um, hit us up about that. I think we definitely want to see more of that in the new year. I think uh, those are a big hit. I at least hope they are because they're great to record. Oh yeah, they're a lot of fun, aren't they? And uh, they kind of deviate a little bit from Moon Knight, uh, unless of course the um, the Alara person has Moon Knight in their collection. But uh, it's just a great way to to learn more on on uh, your fellow loonies and uh, with comics out there in general. Uh, I think the last one we had was uh, yourself and Dustin Coldcase Kurtz. Uh, that oh, was yeah. that was a very cool one actually. Uh, Dustin brought in some some very diverse. Spooky. Yeah, spooky. Yeah, <laughs> almost Halloween tinged. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but uh, reading wise, I um, I'm still I'm still catching up with my current pull list. So I'm still I've only just read Uncanny X Men number one. Um, had you read that as well, Connor? Yeah, it didn't quite grab me. What did you okay. think? Yeah, I mean, I heard the feedback that uh, people felt it fell a little flat. Uh, I I thought it was I thought it was okay. I I actually enjoyed it. Maybe it was because I came in with lower expectations um, after having heard all the reviews. But I mean, look, it it kind of played on the the trope of of the mutants and this vaccine and you know the senator and all that. Uh, it, it kind of played up that a little and look it had multiple man i mean he's one of my uh yeah. one of my favorites so uh it's good to see he, he looks like he has a an integral part in in the first arc at least so um that will make things very interesting um but i can see what you mean how it kind of might have been probably not fulfilling the expectations of most of the listeners or most long-time x-men fans yeah i am um, i just really liked um Tom Taylor's X-Men Red. I'm still sticking mm. with Uncanny, because I'm definitely keen to see where it goes. Some of the uh, covers they pulled up mm. are wild. So, yeah, um, I've only read issue one, but I've definitely I've got issue two and three sitting there. So, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't uh, super sold on Avengers No Surrender as well, but I ended up really liking that. Oh, I got yes. a Mortal Hulk out, out of that, so, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Avengers No Surrender, that was kind of... it's it's um that was That's a good example of... Uh, look, it's not groundbreaking, or it isn't. Um, it isn't a Jonathan Hickman kind of, you know, um, <laughs> ten years in the making kind of thing. But it was just a fun kind of event. That mm. uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. It was just enjoyable the whole way through. Um, so it proves that you know you can have a popcorn kind of event, uh, and it not necessarily having to. Uh, you know, cause ripples in the Marvel Universe, you know, for years to come. Just something that was fun um, and, yeah, enjoyable as you read it. Uh, how about yourself, Connor? Anything exciting that you've read over the last week? Yeah, it's a pretty good week. Um, Ironheart dropped with Riri Williams. Oh, was okay. a bit wordy, bit of a first issue, but I'm still in love with it. Um, mm-hmm. We got Man Eaters 3, probably like the best book with political commentary on the shelves at the moment. Mm-hmm. Call that one out. Um, love it. Um Straight Bullets, Sunshines, and Roses, if you love crime, it's worth reading all of that. It's just, oh. it's still doing great things after like 20 years or something crazy. Yeah. Um, These Savage Shores too, probably one of the best debuts of the year. Oh. Uh, we got... Um, Who, who's Vincent. in that? Sorry? These Savage, um, Sh- Savage Shores. Yeah, it's a vault comic thing about um vampires in India in, oh. what is it, like the uh, 1800s? Okay. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, written by Ram V with the artist uh, Sumit Kumar. Wow, cool. Sounds good. Love and Fence and Coda. We got, um, well, we got Arachnite this week, which we'll mm-hmm. be talking about tomorrow. Um, yep. We got Books of Magic, Coda, uh, Fence, yep. Batgirl. Loving all of those. Uh, Black Hammer got a library edition, those nice yeah, covers. I yeah, I saw that. That looks awesome. I think it retails in Australia for those listening. Uh, for about ninety five bucks, but it's it's a hardcover, right? Library edition. Yeah. Uh, first thirteen issues, uh, definitely a must. It would just make the the art pop even more, I reckon. Yeah, which is a series I need to catch up on. I probably haven't read the last few issues of oh, okay. what is it, Age of Doom? Yeah. Oh yeah, I haven't read that at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so Looney's, as you can tell, Connor Shu 
is uh, way more well versed <laughs> in in a, div- a diverse range of comics than than yours truly. But um, that's that's great to hear, isn't it? I mean, Connor, should we should probably do a an Isla Ra for you at some stage? It would probably be very difficult for you to kind of cull that down to four. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to start planning now. Even if we release that one in the next year, I'll probably still be thinking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, just a couple other things. You, you just reminded me as well. Is Shuri? I've got I've gotten into Shuri, um, the Marvel oh, release. Uh, very good. My gosh, I didn't expect that. Uh, uh, Romero on art, um, but the writing was, was really really nice. The good good pacing, good um, fleshing out of the characters. Uh, really interesting stuff. So I'm looking forward to uh, probably picking that that up as a regular now. And uh, during the Black Friday, I guess, comic sales, I picked up a limited uh, series, uh, 2001, of Elsa Bloodstone, just called Bloodstone. Oh! Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I find her like a really cool character. Um, ever since uh, Next Wave and um, her stint in... Uh, Battle World during the Secret Wars. Uh, I think she's just been great. I mean, she's popped up here and here and there in uh, Jessica Jones and such. Um, but this is an early two thousands um, series. I I've only just scratched the surface. Um, very kind of, I guess, still very nineties because uh, it's early two thousand. Uh, but yeah, a very, very very fun read as well. Yeah, well, I adore Elsa Bloodstone, so I didn't mm. even know they made that. Yeah, no, me too. Um, she's she's blonde in it uh, at this stage, Ooh. and she hasn't got kind of that sass that she has, uh, you know, with the trench coat and her her weapons and her kind of uh, I don't know, just confidence in her ability. Uh, she seems I don't know. This must be very much I don't know her early, not early days, but um, they're still trying to figure out her overall character. So um, yeah, interesting stuff should be. Uh, oh, and also. Uh, yeah, I'm reading an old old run of Hercules, Twilight of the Gods, which is, uh, I think, written by, if I'm not mistaken, oh, it, it might be Bob Layton. Uh, crazy. It's actually it's a, a cosmic um, tale, uh, and it's just it's kind of funny because it it draws upon uh, Hercules. He's he obviously he likes his drink and he's on medication because he's a bit loopy. Um, so it's a very it's a very different sort of um, Hercules that I'm familiar with, uh, but yeah, stick, I'll stick with it. It seemed like a, a fun enough run, uh, yeah. So um, yeah, those are probably the comics at the moment. There's a bit of a hole with no Moon Knight, I guess, Connor, isn't there? Yeah, bloody oath, not a single drop of news this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a small bit of news. Uh, I guess I'd love to uh, get into it more with Chris on our episode upcoming um, from Defenders TV podcast on the cancellation of Daredevil. Yeah, huge. Uh, but... Uh. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's um, it's made a huge impact, but it's kind of like the writing was on the wall a little, wasn't it? Yeah, we lost two and we, it was kind of like you just kind of watch and waiting for it. <laughs> mm. and, well, and this is, I mean, and it being Daredevil, this kind of reaffirms for me that it actually was not because of, say, the quality of Iron Fist or because, uh, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist are are smaller or lesser tier characters. Uh, They got rid of the big one, Daredevil. So if you get rid of Daredevil, surely we'll be losing Jessica Jones and Punisher um, next year, most likely. 
Yeah, well, I guess you'll just wait for the final their seasons to drop, and then we'll, uh, you know. Mm. It's a bit. It's a bit morbid, isn't it? I mean, like, because everyone, like everyone, that will be watching season three of Jessica Jones and season two of Punisher will be almost ninety nine percent sure that uh, they'll be cancelled. Uh, so it's kind of like weird watching a whole season, just kind of knowing that um, their time is up. Yeah, and how are those going to end too? Because I know some are in the middle of filming. You know, are they going to try and change it up or something? Or true, because they, they they were well into it. I think I know Jessica Jones is in post production, and uh, Punisher wrapped up filming ages ago as well. So mm, I, I don't know. I mean, they could go down well down the route of um, of Iron Fist and Luke Cage, where they were still setting up stuff, but then that's it. See yeah. you later. <laughs> you know, we won't see. And what do you think, Connor, then this would mean for us Looney fans and Moon Knight? Not, well, not lucky enough now, because yeah. I don't think a Netflix is something that's ever going to be tapped again with the Disney streaming service. Mm. So I think we're going to have to wait for... For creators in the deep, deep in the MCU and the movies and stuff to write, to write him in there or to get a Agents of Shield type thing with Ghost Rider. So I think yeah, oh God, it's kind yeah. of another knockback where it's like I know it's a slither of hope now. Yeah, exactly, isn't it? Everyone, well, not everyone. Most people were banking or preferring Moon Knight to show up in Netflix because that was just the arena, wasn't it? We had the the street level characters. It was dark. Um, it allowed for uh, a lot more violence and uh, you know a lot more graphic content, um, but that's been that's been squashed, hasn't it? So um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm reading various things. People are adamant that it's you know none of these characters are going to surface again um, in the Disney streaming service. Um, I've heard stuff that um, you know Marvel intend to use these characters. As, as to what capacity, we don't know. Um, all that's kind of in flux, and, and I'm trying to figure out what the hell will happen to our our mate Mooney. And uh, it is hard, isn't it? I think we just... Uh, I think that our biggest chance would be... I don't know, I'm thinking still the, the Disney service... Um, or again, you'd say the MCU, but I still, I still can't see Moon Knight in the MCU. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, you look at all the characters in the MCU. They're big. They're big hitters. They're large, larger than life characters, um, and the lesser ones you just don't, you don't see there. So yeah. Anyway, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, but I hope you're Daredevil. Probably one of my yeah. favorite top five shows of the year, season three especially. Oh, just absolutely. knocked it out of the park like Perf- nothing else. Oh, performances just out of by D'Onofrio, Charlie Cox, of course, uh, Deborah Ann Wall, and massive. Uh, also, Wilson Bethel, um, who played Bullseye. Uh, oh, Jay Ali, who plays uh, Nadim. Yes, very good as well. And, and let's not forget um, Alice Eve in Iron Fist playing Typhoid Mary. Ooh, yeah. I thought she was absolutely brilliant in that. Uh, and it's it's so kind of heart-wrenching that that's the only kind of depiction of Typhoid Mary or Bullseye that we'll see for, for some time at least. It's, um, yeah, anyway, it's uh, it's the nature of the industry, I guess. So um, we'll just have to grin and bear it. Yep, well, I guess... Uh 
stay tuned for more on that. Maybe we'll hear something about Moon Knight, news-wise, show-wise, anything-wise. Yeah, and, and, you know, we've also, we still have our loony Alex Lumen um, churning out some, some films for us. and we got a Christmas special coming up. Yeah, there's a little, there's a Moon Knight um, appearance. I, I had been looking ahead at the, the phase of the moon as well, Konishu, and we do have another film slash TV review coming up um, towards December, so, at the end of December, so, um, yeah, we'll have to figure out what we do for that, but, um, yeah, maybe it might be another case of looking at another fan film, I think that would be good. Hell yeah. Yeah, well, okay, well, why don't we um, just take a quick break, we'll um, just hear from one of our fellow collective members, and, uh, kind of how about we come back and we review the hell out of this Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 1. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. We are in our Lunar Pick review, and it being a waning crescent, we are looking at a classic run. And as mentioned a couple of times before, we uh, made a bit of an error on our behalf. We kind of overshot the mark, and we totally missed the chronologically the debut of Moon Knight Volume 1 Issue 1 which was released in August 1980 so uh, I think we were up to 1981 so we uh, we oops we made a bit of a mistake there but we're coming back um, it's as you mentioned Connor being our 75th episode not uh, bad it's not bad isn't it we've got a quite a seminal issue here to um, to review. Uh, now, before Connor, I ask you to just um, shout out the details for this comic. Uh, you can actually access this issue on either a single issue or floppy. Um, it's still out there. Uh, I'm sure you can you can hunt one down. Uh, they. It's also available in trade in a couple of iterations one of it is the essential collection which i think is long out of print it's a black and white one um i believe it's volume two uh of that uh and there's also epic collections volume two which is um not bad moon rising shadows of the moon uh volume two and that is a uh reprint in color of of Moon Knight issue one number one, um, as well as I'm sure you can find it on Kindle or Comicsology. Um, just check that out, so you can get yourself a digital copy. We'll actually add in our show notes a link to uh, an Amazon link where you can actually purchase it via um, the Kindle store, which will actually it would still work for Comicsology as well if you use a Comicsology reader. Uh, but uh, that will also uh, just help us, the show as well. If you buy through that link, um, it will, uh, you know, leave us a little bit of uh, of coin there, 
um, to keep the lights running on this show. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye out for it. So anyway, Konishu, we have this massive issue uh, with some big names. Um, oh yeah. Let's run through the credits. The big hitters. So yes, uh, it was August 1980. We had uh, Doug Munch. God, I've already forgotten. <laughs> on writing duties are Bill Sinkevich. On artist duties are Sinkevich and Frankie S., which might also be Sinkevich. Mm-hmm. Um, as inkers, uh, we had uh, T. Orzekowski. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> on, uh, on letters and uh, B. Sharon as our colorist. Denny O'Neill, of course, editor. And Jim Shooter was still leading Marvel at the time. Yeah, Jim, the infamous Jim Shooter. Now, um, as you know, or for loony listeners or listeners who haven't heard before, for our Lunapic review, what we do is we kick it off with a sliver, which is basically a real compact synopsis of the issue, just to give you a gist of what it's all about. Uh, then Konishu and I will just discuss uh, some interesting points we found of it. Uh, they could range from the artwork, uh, the technique, to the writing, to um, to, to certain uh, scenes or um, you know certain events that happen in in the issue. And we'll cap that off with a moon rating, which is a highly convoluted system which uh, has been devised. Uh, we'll, <laughs> I'll try to make it as complicated as possible, all to do with the phases of the moon. So, um, Konishu, do you mind if I give it a crack with a sliver? By all means. Okay, so in a few sentences, and this is probably uh, you know, the reason why I picked it, it's probably the easiest sliver out there. Loonies who love Moon Knight, uh, this will sound like a broken record to you. But anyway, the sliver is basically, we have Mark, a mercenary with Bushmen in Egypt. Um, he actually um, is against Bushmen's uh, MO of how he runs things. Uh, he bumps into Marlene and her dad. Her dad unfortunately dies at the hand of Bushmen. Um, Mark fights Bushmen. Mark is left for dead. Mark is resurrected. And then we see Mark in New York City as Moon Knight with his other identities. And he runs into Bushman again for one, I guess, final encounter for this issue at least. So that is pretty much the gist of it. Um, Very interesting. Um, Konishu, I might throw it to you first. Uh, First of all, overall impressions. What did you think of this as a... Basically, it's a setup issue, isn't it, for the solo title? Yeah, well, I, it's kind of speaking of the legacy, how much it captured me the first time I read it, even for like an '80s issue, which you know date easily, yeah, and very easily. The way it grabbed me obviously speaks to why I'm now uh, doing a podcast on this character, which <laughs> it, it like it didn't quite capture me as much the second time I read it. I definitely saw the flaws in it more, mm-hmm. but I think this is still. A very readable, accessible issue that just is a is a great origin story and sets up so much for this character. You can see why, like after all this time, there's so much before this issue mm. that we've covered that hasn't really stuck around. But this no. has because it's just it's just one hell of a kickstart. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, it seems like we've been covering his uh, you know his classic run for so long now through the cameos. And he seems to have been well set and well kind of 
um, established already. Um, and then so it's so funny, like, so, so from 1975 all the way up to 1980, he's been appearing in stuff. Uh, his, his history, his origins, Egyptian origins, haven't been covered, but he seemed like a very fleshed-out character already. So um, albeit this being a first issue of the solo title, uh, it was... I don't know, I just find it a little strange that we take a step back and um, he's kind of fleshed out. I guess it's not that strange, but, I mean, it's just it's just weird thinking in hindsight that he was such a well-established crime fighter that we've been looking at through in all these issues, um, and now we kind of see what appears to be real-time, um, his origins. Um and one of the first things, actually, I thought Connor as well was this. It had a very, um, it had a very uh, like Alan Quatermain, Indiana Jones kind of vibe. I thought that at the beginning, it's very different from other Marvel titles because it's all set in Egypt um, and with mercenaries. Uh, the backdrop is is obviously kind of Egypt, um, and it had this kind of uh, what is it, swashbuckling almost kind of like the phantom to me um kind of vibe to yeah it. Did, totally did you pick Fighting that around in yeah did, did you pick that like kind of up it was it was a bit straight it, was, it wasn't until um the last 10 pages where he's in new york that we get the sense that he's a street level that we kind of know and that we've kind of seen in the cameos before but um this whole story the origin story which was really good um had a very different uh like indiana jones vibe to it yeah and it yeah i think you covered it exactly it's like phantom indiana jones and it's just weird the way um frenchie and mark interact you know mm. swashbuckling and there's all this malicious stuff as well and you know fighting the locals and war crimes and all this weird stuff that has literally never yeah. been recounted except by a tiny bit by lemire yeah well that was a uh, another thing i was going to raise as well um we do get recounts of this origin in the different runs. Um, Lumiere, as you mentioned, he, he does a retelling of it, brilliantly drawn by Greg Smallwood. Uh, there's also a retelling in Charlie Houston's run of The Bottom where the profile is presenting to the committee in the slides, uh, almost a PowerPoint presentation of Mark, and we get a sense of his mercenary origins there. A lot more, for me, that was a lot more um, grounded in, in like, realism, um, just the way that the art was depicted and stuff. So they have depicted it a few times um, throughout Moon Knight. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, that is right, Connor. It's so funny. Like you, you do gloss over these details, which Mensch has put in here to show, for instance, Bushman how callous he was. Um, I mean, in an abstract level, we know that he's a terrible person because he kills um, Marlene's dad, uh, and, and that was the big thing that set Mark off against Bushman. But what we don't see in the other iterations we see here is that we see Bushmen line up all those villages and just mow them down, which was absolutely terrible to think about, you know? Um, so he's an absolute abomination of a person here. And, uh, yeah, it was... Um, 
I think it was kind of really well set up by Mensch. Mm. And Mark as well just kind of just blows up a bunch of grenades and throws a bunch of knives at people at the start. But oh, yeah, he of, does, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Just, he just goes all out. But they do kind of talk about that later where they talk about that Marlene and Mark worked to make him a better person. But I think that's... I didn't realise this the first time I read it, mm. uh, however long ago. But there is obviously such a massive gap between the the Egyptian shit and, like, when we return to the streets. Like, yeah. there must be, like, years of content there of getting the suit, getting the fortune, working to be different. And I just think about how little of that we've seen. Like, there was... The, that werewolf issue in the Houston run, I think, took place in this time period. But I cannot, for the life ah. of me, think of one thing that pops in between this period of, you know, fighting in Egypt and um, the start of the second half of this issue. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I didn't consider that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Because, I mean, even visually, you see towards the end of this Egyptian adventure, it's just marked with that white cape around him so he hasn't even formulated his moon knight um, appearance yet which we later see when he's in new york and rightly so as you say he has to have built up these identities these connections with i mean we see we see crawley um, and jenna um, we hear mention of um, jenna's sons i don't think they mentioned the names yet but you know we know them as rick and ray um, so we start getting the supporting characters but all this network it must have taken time for Mark to set this all up. Um, we all know as well in the origins that he uses his mercenary, um, what do you call it, um, his mercenary loot to fund his mansion and his Stephen Grant persona. So all that has to be established before he actually can go out onto the streets and um, and and be this Moon Knight. And, and as you say, I mean, even further to what you say, uh, when, when Moon Knight is out and about in New York, he seems to have a reputation already. So he he has been around for an undetermined amount of time. Uh, so what is interesting is, yeah, is to have maybe stories between them to actually see what happens. I think that would be very, very cool. Similar to the way I always, what I found the most impressive with that recent modern run that we did, Konishu, with um, Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey, was you know how... Warren Ellis introduced that Mark has all these artifacts or all these relics in his basement to do with um, Conchu and with potentially battling the supernatural. I find that just such an untapped opportunity for writers to to add to Moonlight Law. Um, and similar to this, this period, this period where he actually leaves Egypt and his formative years as Moon Knight. That would be really fun yeah, to see. It's crazy. I think what we're really asking for here is almost like a Moon Knight year one. Which yes, yeah. It's just, I'm thinking about it. I can't believe that one, like one, it's not been done, but two, that I've never noticed it hasn't been done, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, so yeah, I'll, I'll post this in the group as well once this episode drops. So literally when people are hearing this. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, like what we think about that and what we'd want to see in it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty exciting and totally where we could go. But It is. I'm racking my brain as we speak, trying to think of issues where we do see Mark just shortly after his trip to Egypt. Um, yeah, I don't think we... We never get that... Um, here's a one Batman reference per episode, but we never... <laughs> 
we never get that um, almost montage where we see Mark Spector fully become the realized Moon Knight. As you you know, you see many um, depictions of Batman or Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. We never actually get that with Moon Knight. He seems to have been established, um, and we know. Ooh, is that Gibbsy? Yeah, he's, he's been very loud. <laughs> <laughs> hear that? Hear that crisp new audio quality. That it? Yes. Oh my! The, my gosh! That is crystal clear. The meows. It's just. It's something all right, cat, isn't it? <laughs> well, he he knows what we're on about. You know, talking about Moon Knight. Uh, yeah. So fantastic point, Connor. I reckon that would be absolutely awesome to to check out. Uh, I can't. Yeah. It's just I can't believe they haven't done that. Um, so yeah, any loonies, please. If we are wrong by any chance, um, oh hey, <laughs> I don't know whether that was a wrong or a right. <laughs> pretty definitive though. Yeah, if we are wrong, um, please just let us know. Um, the but I'm thinking the miniseries is um, High Strangers Resurrection War. That wasn't it. Um, Moon Knight Volume One. That's not it. Mark Spector. Fist no. of Conchu. Get in. That's what we want to see. Fist of Conchu. Yeah, that was volume two. Yeah, but was that? The one, no. But that wasn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I steer clear. Of, I steer clear of that <laughs> series. Of, you know, when I if I if I can, um, he was well established there, wasn't it? He was. Yeah, he was. I think so. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, very interesting. We should we should um, hear about that. Um, yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, any other? Well. Well, the other thing I was going to mention, just kind of, I mean, like, it's not a good a good a point as your last one, but I think I brought this up before, the death of, God, I can't remember his name. It's Mr. Dr. Alrain, Alrain, the, the father of Alrain. Alrain. Um, over here, Munch has him, his jugular, um, you know, bitten yeah. out by... I remember Bushman. this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And distinctly in the Lemire run, I'm sure it's still fresh in a lot of our minds, Bushman stabs um, Dr. Alrone. Uh, so there have been very different iterations of, of what happened exactly. Um, yeah, in um, like the, the recent, was it Marvel Legacy, like three-page backup, he was just shot or something? Yes, yeah, as well, yep. So that, there's at least three different ways that uh, that happened. Uh, and... I'm not sure if there's any rhyme or reason for that, um, but it would seem to be a simple enough thing to have followed. Maybe they just thought this thing was ridiculous, uh, looking back on it, that Bushman um, tears his throat out with his teeth, which I think is actually quite horrifying and actually quite brutal. Uh, I, you know, if we're talking about Bushman being an absolute monster, I'd recommend you keep that fact in, wouldn't you? I mean, that, that would make him like... <laughs> it's pretty full it. on. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... In the um, way, I love it. Yeah. So, um, again, so I guess I was just saying that the slight variations to the origins, but of course, this is the origin. This is the one that started all... This is actually the issue, isn't it, that Mensch has decided to flesh out um, mm. the Egyptian, the, the conchu aspects of it all. Um, we don't know where he's going with the his thoughts on the personalities of of uh, Mark Spector. So we do get introduced to Stephen Grant, Jake Lockley, um, 
And again, I think I mentioned before Ralph Macchio, who was one of the editors or assistant editors in an interview that he did, he did mention that those identities were meant to be purely just like acting roles. Like so, so basically, Mark was a, was a really good actor, and he would actually just fall into those roles, you know, to tease out information where he needed, whether it be high society or you know, in Jenna's diner. Um, mm. And later on, I think I'm not sure if it was Doug Mensch. Hold on, just give me a sec to deal with this four legged bastard. He's going yeah. off like mad. <laughs> All right, Looney's uh, a cue a bit of background music here while um, we wait for Connor to deal with what seems to be a possessed cat, Gibbsy. Uh, it is a waning crescent, and cats are very important in Egyptian culture. So we may or may not see Connor back. Look, look, Gibbsy might well do a Bushman on Connor. I don't know. Could tear his throat out with his little, little cat jaws. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, I think I hear movement. All right, I got him. Excellent. Uh, Let's continue on this fantastic point. Excellent. We're keeping all that in, Connor. I've just filled everyone in whilst you were away. So, oh, fantastic. No editing required. The content they live for. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. So, very. I actually forgot. Oh, yeah, the identity. So, um, I don't know whether it is actually Doug Mensch down the line who decides to round things off and make them a mental um, thing with Mark. Um, or if it is indeed another writer, but um, yeah, because mm. well, at, at least if it isn't mentioned as a mental illness, which but it's it's definitely portrayed in a lot more serious way later on. This issue is kind of just flipping about, but yep. there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, well, not so much drama, but dilemma later in the issues when it's like um, Marlene questioning, you know, she obviously likes Stephen the most and she's questioning who's who and yep. what's happening. So, yeah, it definitely becomes a bigger thing, but here it's just kind of a mask. Yeah, it is. And and I'm thinking again, again, to those cameo issues that we see of Moon Knight in, in the backup stories of the Hulk magazine, um, of even, uh, was it Marvel Spotlight, um we do see even back then. So Mensch has chosen that Marlene does prefer Stephen Grant because back then she even she um she prefers to speak or address Mark as Stephen back then, doesn't mm. she? So actually, having said all that, so we aren't introduced to the identities here because they have been established already. I think what this issue does, uh, what uh, it brings to the table, is this Egyptian background. Um, which Mensch has never shown before, actually, uh, in in the previous cameos of Moon Knight. Not even sort of hinted at it. It's just been no. here. Yeah, exactly. Because it's funny, because remember um, uh, the introduction of Moon Knight back in 1975 in Werewolf by Night. The, the whole idea that he was created was because he was a foil to the werewolf, so hence the moon. Um, yeah, had the nothing. Collective. Was it? Sorry? No. Uh, the committee. Committee. The committee. Um, yeah, hired him and threw him in some arm and just went, yep, go get him. Yeah. But the whole thing was that, you know, he was the foil because he was a, a moon, you know, moon related 
you know, character to a werewolf and obviously full moons and all that. And, mm. and Moon Knight wore silver. So all that had nothing to do with Egyptian or e- Egyptology at all. And it was only uh, in now, this issue that we're looking at, that Mensch actually puts um, puts two and two together or puts Mark and Conchu together and decides to introduce Conchu. So this is this is uh, probably the first that we've seen of Conchu. Isn't that interesting? I'm just, yeah, I'm racking my brain trying to think back to all those old issues. But mm. yeah, he just kinda, he's, he's just kind of here, isn't he? He popped in. Yep, there's absolutely no... And even here he isn't... Um, he never really quite gets a voice in this book, though, does he? It's, it's more the importance of the statue to Mark. And yes. I think when we hit 12 and 13, he even has that taken away from him, and there's a real emphasis focus That's on right. just how much that statue means to him. So, yeah, there was no definitive thing of Konshu. Yeah, it was... Like yeah. being there and present within him as an actual figure. Yeah, there was a, yeah, that's right. He went a bit cra- he went a bit loopy, didn't he, when that statue had gone. Um but from memory, like there were little um inexplicable wasn't there in some inexplicable supernatural things with with the Conchu statue at least back then? Like you didn't see Conchu, but there was there was things about like the I don't know didn't the eyes glow or something? Or maybe I'm mixing that up oh, with maybe. later. Yeah, but you're right. He de- definitely does not have the importance that Conchu does now, especially with I think Warren Ellis really did bring him to the fore with you know the bird the bird skull, which we kind of associate Conchu now. Um, before then, it was just this particular statue, which um, Charlie Houston used to great effect in um, in his volume of Moon Knight. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess we can't um, underestimate the importance of of this this issue with with really yeah. really laying all the cards on the table for Moon Knight. And then as well on the table, just you know, immediately Crawley Samuel. Yes, um, Samuels. Yeah. Um, Although, hey, as you said that though, I mean, saying that they were introducing the cameos, weren't they? Oh, were they? Yeah. Um, hmm. I can't remember the first issue that we. I remember we reviewed one of the issues, and it was the first appearance of Crawley, and we're going, oh, this is probably his very first time that he's actually, and they introduced him with the tea bag. Um, so he's been around in the cameos. Um, so despite what I said towards the beginning of this episode, yeah, that they they weren't introduced in this issue. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It shows how good my memory is. Oh, look, yeah, it's all it's all uh, mixing together with mine as well. So, Looney's, you know, <laughs> um, I'm not exactly the the most thorough researcher, but it's all just off the uh off the old noggin here. But um yeah, it's uh yeah, it's it's a good yeah, good issue. What did you think of um the the pacing and the writing, Connor? Did you yeah, well, I think, well, I guess we'll jump to the art after this, but it mm-hmm. definitely has, like, hints of what would make this run so good about 12, 14 issues from now. I think it really, mm-hmm. really hits its stride in every way around the um, first um, Scarlet issue. Oh, yes. Um, whatever that was called. Uh, that's really when it hits its stride, both uh, thematically, um, narratively, uh, writing and artistically. Yeah. Just from the both of them. Writing, like I said, it, it's a lot wordier than it will be yep. later on. Like, it's got that real dry narration. But mm. even within that, um, Monch, who I guess i got to look into it, whether he was an author before this or something, there's definitely 
a lot more interesting. The description he gives of like the night time or the wind or the violence in those captions of like, mm. oh, you know, it's, you know, just those kind of text boxes who aren't attached to a character just um, yeah. narrating the scene are immediately so much more interesting. And there's a lot less of um, the speech bubbles, uh, the thought bubbles from Mark thinking mm. about the situation until right near the end when they're fighting. Um, let me just pull up an example real quick. Like, yeah, in the final fight, there's a lot more of it. Thinking yeah. about uh, where that pops in, you know, just an empty office and nothing, no one here. But before that, those yellow text boxes are just so much more descriptive and yeah. evocative than a lot I've read of the 80s. Yeah, he's starting to do it, isn't he? And and as you mentioned, around that um, 12, 13 issue mark, he really starts um, hitting the accelerator for that sort of style but it, to me, it's still very conventional here. And, um, you know, let's not forget as well, Mensch has been writing... Uh, he's been writing actively since um, since 75, so at least five years he's been in, in the mm-hmm. game doing it. But those five years have been very... I mean, if we look at Mensch's whole canon, they've been a lot more um, straight-laced and a lot more conventional in writing. Um, and it is, as you say, once he gets into these interesting characters like Stained Glass, Scarlet... And uh, it being very cerebral, you know, rather than... This is very much a um, just an action-adventure, isn't it? There's really not much um, psycho- you know, psychological, um, you know, um, dramas in it or, or any... Yeah, yeah, it goes from, like, swashbuckling action-adventure to just beating up crooks on the street kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's... Yeah, in New York, there's really not much... Happening of of course, um, just his dexterity, which you pointed out earlier in the Facebook group. Um, <laughs> uh, Moon Knight, for a heavyweight boxer or heavyweight, sorry, heavyweight. He is a boxer and uh, ex marine and all that. He is quite nimble, uh, isn't he? And he pulls yeah, off like, someone yeah. Pour, brought up a great point in the group about that. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just pull you up. But yeah, basically, um, there was very distinct. Um, styles. Alexi uh, Frigno, Figueroa. Oh, okay. Yep. Whoa, whoa. Uh, just call me out for how you pronounce it later. Um, if you're giving this a listen. But yeah, he, he talks about that um, Daredevil and Spidey had such specific styles of fighting. Yeah. It's really noticeable. They obviously try to mix it up and it just brings some really, really odd effects. Like he is <laughs> more flexible than Mr. Fantastic in one particular scene where he's <laughs> yeah. got his l- butt in the air. I'm looking at it, yeah. flinging his two feet. Far out. Um, that is, um, that would make Mr. Mr. Fantastic blush, wouldn't it? It's, um, even uh, Black Widow. Look, that's some, that's some skills. That is some skills. And we do see also, I mean, again, if I, we hark back to the cameo appearances in, in and backup stories, there's that one Connor which we reviewed, remember, and he's he gets up late at night and he can't sleep and he does that. He does a whole routine, um, like a gymnastics routine. I thought it was really well drawn. Um, but oh, yeah. The, yeah, there is an emphasis on, uh, I think it was drawn by Sienkiewicz as well, a uh, real emphasis on his dexterity and his thing. But um, yeah, absolutely, Spider-Man and Daredevil, um, I, I can't really speak too much for Daredevil, but of course Spider-Man with his enhanced abilities and his agility, you know, similar to, um, to a spider, I guess, uh, he'd be able to do all those sorts of stunts. Um 
we know Daredevil. Yeah, actually, Daredevil. Um, I was reading in the wiki. You know, you know, part of his power is apparently he's got. Um, you know how all his senses are heightened, Konishu. Apparently, his his balance, sense of balance, is is heightened as well. Um, this is in the classic um, Marvel powers. You know, Marvel Universe. Um, what do you call it? Archives of characters. But yeah, apparently his balance is um, far superior to anyone else's. That's why he's able to do um, all these, you know, acrobatic feats. Um, yeah, but, right. Yeah, but there's no explanation for Moon Knight, in, uh, just uh, un- unless it's just it. his training. But seriously, anyone can train to kick like that. That image that Connor's described, and I'm looking at right <laughs> now. Uh, give him a gold medal because far out that's that's tough going yeah and and even that changes eventually you know Mm -hmm. give it you know give it a few more issues even and it's really about how heavy he hits and yeah yes um, and and it becomes into how he you know that popular thing now where he he'd rather take a hit than um defend you know or block a shot um he started off it is interesting he started off as very much like a captain america-esque Daredevil-esque um, fighter, uh, even to the point um, in Werewolf by Night where there's a lot of talk of, I'm going to stuff up this word now, is it Savate Savate or something? It's a Brazilian uh, form of almost kickboxing. Um, Do not know what I'm afraid. Oh, okay, well, they, they name drop that and they say that Moon Knight, you know, he kicks this particular way, so... Someone obviously did some research and wanted to emphasize how masterful Moon Knight is in all these forms of, of um, martial arts. Um, so we get that initially, but down the line, uh, and you know, especially again with Houston when he when he stuffs up his knees and all that, he becomes a very tired kind of hero um, that is tough as nails. Right, his his pain threshold is super high. A uh, skilled fighter as well, but you don't see him doing the jumping around and and even in this issue, there's um, Bushman calls out, uh, he's dodged my bullets. You know, no one no one can dodge a bullet mm. like that. So he's almost superhuman, isn't he? It, I, and I guess that's um, you got to wonder whether there was still that supernatural presence he was still keeping here. Mm. Or? Yeah. Yeah, he can. Like, well, is yeah. there still powers Moon Knight has? Yeah, that's weird because he would have had to. This is where around this time I think Moon Knight's origins gets really murky. <laughs> I mean, like again, if you put this side by side with Werewolf by Night as well, you know how he down the line he got bitten by a werewolf um, in the in the melee, and that's apparently given him these enhanced strength and and, and agility and everything. That can't work here. Like, you know, I mean, this is his origin. So, um, you know, he hasn't actually fought the werewolf by night yet, if if we're going on along the same timeline, if that makes sense, um, because he's just become Moon Knight. Uh, or actually, having said that, you're right, Connor, that maybe, maybe, maybe werewolf by night is that, is the form, is the year one, the formative years. Of uh, of Moon Knight, yeah, I guess is that even? 
I guess that's got to be counted as canon, a canon in a way because they definitely don't drop that kind of thing. But yeah, they don't. It gets very messy though. Um, so uh, I mean, I was reading a lot. Uh, I was reading some forums and and people were saying, yeah, Moon Knight's origins is 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 a bit is a bit all over the place because in Werewolf by Night he was this thing and then. And then Mench re retconned everything basically in this volume. But having said that, and what you've just brought to light, you could argue the fact that Werewolf by Night was in between basically pages 15 and 16 in this issue, you know. Definitely, yeah. Between when he leaves Egypt and when he actually is just running around New York. So, um,. Interesting, but yeah, he certainly does seem to be enhanced by some by something, um, but it's just not explained. And whether Mensch is keeping that close to his chest because he just doesn't want to explain it yet, or he's got on his mind, oh crap, I I did the whole Werewolf by Night thing. How does that work with this? Or he's just going, stop it. Let's just conveniently forget about that. I guess we, we won't know. And well, where do I kind of want to go from? Um. <laughs> the moon cop- yeah, the moon copter <laughs> I guess I, I'll, I'll jump into the art I think you wrapped up that point nicely I don't yep. think I really can think of much to add just going back to a point you said yep. um, you know this opens so much of you call the writing plane and I definitely agree I think it's got the touches of what's to come but I think it's only a slight step above yeah, absolutely. your average boring 80s comic it was definitely a lot more enjoyable than that don't get me wrong mm. um, and the same kind of works with the art it's very good art um Mark Spector has his shirt out a lot. It's a pretty nice bod. I think we can all agree <laughs> on that. And, you know, there's definitely good action, but, you know, I picked this up on the stands. The story's good. The art doesn't blow me away. Like, yeah. just how much he changes in 12 issues. That iconic style and what we see in New, Mo- New Mutants as well, and he became such a powerhouse of the 80s. It's so interesting that it was so simple back here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is true. Like, in hindsight, you can pick up these things that Mench is, is, is eventually heading towards. But, um, look, I, I would have to um, kind of agree with you to an extent there, Connor, about, yeah, this being an 80s thing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's probably on par, I think, with a lot of the 80s, like, like decent 80s stuff. Um, it is. It does sometimes get a bit... To me, it does fall in the trap of being a bit... Um, uh, too much dialogue, too wordy, um, uh, where it doesn't need to explain everything. But, uh, yeah, uh, and Sinkevich's art is actually, I mean, you look at this and you look at his later art, um, chalk and cheese, really. He, he's still he's still got that Neil Adams kind of look, I think, that he's going for, which Neil Adams yeah. is very popular, you know, Batman, okay. Um, I shouldn't say that. Um, bat-like man thing. <laughs> Comic. Uh, yeah. Um, but also as well, uh, so the art I think was great. It, it's um, it, it's more than um, more than competent, but, you know, by Joe, we get we get the good Sienkiewicz stuff when he really, really does form a style of his own. Um, at this point, at this point, he's, he's still very much um, very solid in technique, but he hasn't gone got his style yet. Um, with Mench's writing, there is a lot of darkness to it. I mean, we've mentioned the violence by Bushman and stuff, but um, I'd like to draw the fact on... Um, there's a mention here, actually, a couple of times of the widows of the um, villagers that were slain. Um, 
by Bushmen, uh, and they basically, it's kind of almost like a sex slave trade that they get put into, uh, and they have to dance, um, you know, dance for, I don't know, for, for clients or, or people, uh, and there's an allu- uh, it's alluded to that they're actually in brothels as well. So, you know, that's that sort of stuff you don't really see in a in a Fantastic Four or a Spider-Man comic, you know what I mean? It, it's, um, Mench is really keeping things um, seedy side, I guess, for yeah, me. Yeah, actually, I think that's a point we haven't touched on. Um, mm. Definitely why this made such an impact was because of that. You know, we kind of, we called it a swashbuckling thing, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of, there's immediately that tone that this isn't a superhero thrill, uh, like just a regular superhero comic. And the next one is fighting like a slasher villain. Yes. And all this other stuff. But this issue, yeah. Like, you can see why it stood out, why, um, you know, back in the, f- oh, was it one of the first times we had Tommy on explain that, yeah. you know, this thing hit, like there was only limited space on the newsstands and this yes. hit it big time. Mm. You know, it got that real space because it was so different. And, you know, Moon Knight's still not the biggest character in the world, but, no. you know, back then this was, this really was something to be marvelled at, if you will. Yeah. It's, and, you know, uh, we talk... Oh, sorry. No, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, it, it seems plain now, but I guess in the context back then, when you step back, you can see why it's stuck around, you know. Yeah. Oh, the violence, the the swashbuckling in a sense, and then you've got, like, all the different kinds of action you can get into the city underbelly of New York that, yeah. you know, was, you know, a daredevil even beat Frank Millard at this point, you know, when we think about... Mm. The yeah. deeper part of the darker part of superheroes. So yeah, it's it's such an important piece. It's almost like it's almost like a mini version of like Vertigo for DC. You know, it's it's almost like the the Marvel. Actually, it's like the Marvel Knights or maybe even the the Max series, like a, a, a smaller version of it back then because it, it definitely was distinct uh, and it, it set itself apart from the other comic books that Marvel were issuing out there um, around this time. Uh, apart from, as you say, later on when Frank Miller takes hold of Daredevil and really does give him a um, a really good makeover and really good, uh, a really good new kind of vibe to him, which just resonates even today, you see in the Netflix show. Um, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Connor. That's, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, so I guess, were there any other, any other points that you'd like to raise, raise here, Connor? Um, we do see Bushman defeated again, and it looks like he, he's brought in, uh, the authorities come in, uh, the New York policeman there to arrest. I don't know how he's going to detain him because, you know, Bushman's a, Oh, well, he's unconscious, but like you know, he's got steel teeth and he's a killer. I mean, um, you'd probably want mouth muzzle. Yeah, yeah, you probably want more backup. Um, yeah, than just one guy. Uh, yeah, any other points? Yeah, yeah, I'll run through a few. Um, yeah, there are there are definitely some good panels in here. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them uh, back to that sort of missing background kind of that can make them a bit more boring, but there's some great stuff in, like, the city bars that have plenty of stuff going on in the background. Yeah. And the colours are pretty fantastic. But um, I think one thing, you know, weird, 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 weird poses <laughs> aside, yeah. I think one thing immediately gotten right here, and, you know, this is kind of... This is still kind of a different look for Moon Knight 
before, but this first issue right out of the gate seems to get Moon Knight his figure, his um, costume persona in a way that we haven't seen before. Like his weight when we see him smashing through the doors and gliding down. Oh, yes. Yeah. It just seems like Sinkevich is such a new control over the way this character moves. Um, oh, I can't figure out the page right now, but basically when he goes upstairs in the bar and just smashes through that door. Oh, yes. Such an iconic look. And you yeah. know, that first page as we see, you know, the figure of Moon Knight standing over the the fighting in Egypt. Like, that's just an iconic page. Like, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does come across as a very terrifying figure, doesn't he? Uh, for yeah, he some, speaks yeah. about that as well. You know, he uses it as yeah. fear. Yeah, yeah. Um, strange, yeah, because yeah, he does look ghost-like. I guess that's probably probably the thing that... Kind of you know, wear white, so you see him kind of coming as we've yeah get to see explain later on. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like he's um, he's symbolic of a terrifying creature or anything like that. But yeah, he does have this imposing quality because he's all white and yeah, he um, uh, that was yeah later written in by by Charlie Houston about people seeing him coming. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, and um, just one more thing. Yep. That I will add is I like we hinted it before, but I like the idea that in between back then and now, that is that cool thing that Marlene and Mark work together to be a better person. It's such a little drop, yeah. And I guess we'll have to see in later issues whether it's continued because I kind of forget. But it's yes. definitely an, a nicer point compared to a lot of other violent superheroes we kind of see popping up after this, yeah, or during this. And actually, speaking of violent as well, just another point. Um, Moon Knight has no compunction to um, to have a like a like a no kill policy. Um, he does kill here. Uh, I'm looking at page about halfway through where he he's just come out of Egypt and he's just in that white cape and a couple of Bushmen's cronies are there. He he um, throws a, a knife right into a gentleman's chest. So I guess that's his mercenary background. And we we do later see, even with the latest Bemis run, that there's a lot of remorse um, that Moon Knight has for this. So I guess that sets him apart from the likes of the Punisher, um, where you have a an anti-hero that just kills. Um, Moon Knight has killed in the past, but we do know now that... Uh, it's massively affected him, um, uh, you know, to the point um, in the Bemis run where it's it's deeply associated with his mental problems. So, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, just it was interesting to see. He, I, I was just a little shocked when he just, um, you know, cold-heartedly just killed these people. So, um, but I guess you take that as his mercenary background. Yeah, I think that kind of wraps up my points for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, look, I don't have um, too much really to say other than um, we know down that oh, Bushman's got a, a very distinct look here uh, and it was obviously later retconned um, to look actually even scarier. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's a bit weird here. Like, apparently he's got this tattoo of the death mask, but uh, it becomes more like skull-like, doesn't it, later on. Um, at the moment, it's just him with a white face. And um, I guess it is meant to be a skull. It just doesn't come across it that much. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely prefer the more modern look of of, um, of Bushman. Um, 
yeah, so there's that with him. Um, that's probably about it. I'm just doing a quick little run through. There's a bit of Frenchie here. I mentioned the moon copter. Would actually oh, the moon copter actually looks pretty, pretty good here. I thought it's um it's, it's more of a uh, crescent moon, so that's that's what you want. Uh, yeah. Um, good to see Crawley. Yeah, that's a that's about it. So I guess we'd go into our moon ratings here. Uh, out of you know, out of phases of the moon. Um, what would you what would you rate this one, Connishu? I kind of forget the ratings of the moon. Do do. <laughs> <laughs> what are we looking at? Oh, like just give us a give us a number, or you know, you can do a three quarter, half quarter, quarter moon. But if you, if, oh yes, um, yeah, if you wanted, yeah, it's def- yeah, if you wanted to do something more specific, um, I can probably pull something out of the hat. But if you if you got an yeah. yeah. It'd definitely be about a seven, so it hasn't quite hit the three quarters of the moon. Right. Because um, I think back then it would have been something, you know, amazing. And yes. how quickly, comparatively quickly, this series becomes just absolutely incredible. Yeah. But, you know, looking back on it now, it's still trapped by a lot of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And we've just experienced so much after. It's like, you know, yeah. it's pretty good. <laughs> That's good. So that's a, that's a waning gibbous, I guess. So that's around seven. It's just under three quarters. So a waning gibbous is just under three quarters of a a three quarter moon. Um, I would have to agree with you there, Konishu. I would give it a waning gibbous as well. Uh, more, I'd say, uh, more in the range six and a half to seven. Um, it is good. Look, you know. The importance of it historically and in the context of Moon Knight is, is obviously very, very important. So you'd, you'd have to give top marks for that. Um, what Mensch introduces to Moon Knight is really good. Yeah. I found just the... Um, I found the pacing, for me, it was just a little a little off in the fact that um, the, the story in Egypt seemed to round off quite well. And then I remember when I first read this and then... Turn the page. Like, oh, okay, we still got a bit to go here with him in New York. Um, I wondered if, uh, you know, that could have been separated, and if he had one issue just dedicated to him in Egypt, and then maybe I don't know, maybe flesh out a story, um, you know, of him in New York in issue two, and then have him go from there. So I found them to be quite, quite contrasting, and they're they're. It seemed quite obvious when you leap, leapt from one to the other. Um, uh, the art was great. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't really fault the storytelling. It was, it was pretty good as well. The nice little pop culture there. You see a, a billboard for Empire Strikes Back. So, you know, showing the sign of the times. Um, yeah. Yeah, about a, a waning gibbous, I'd say, as well, Connor. So there you go, loonies. Uh, a decent score, I'd say, for the setup issue for Moon Knight, um, Volume 1. And uh, we'll be getting into, obviously, the uh, the rest of, of Volume 1 in the classic reviews to come. Okay then, so next phase, Konishu. We actually, and apart from, we will have... Uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled out, loonies. We will have another issue coming straight your way. Episode 76 will drop 
maybe a couple of days after this one, and it's just will, and that will be a review of Arachnite <laughs> issue two, with our special guest Chris Jones from Defenders TV podcast. But the uh, the next week in issue or not issue in episode seventy seven. We will be returning to our modern run, our Lunar Pig modern run, Konishu. And I believe uh, we might have to discuss this a bit more off air. Uh, it is the Warren Ellis monumental issue, issue five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, actually, Josh Geronimo Johnson and myself, we did actually cover that in Josh's Isla Ra sessions when... Um, when he featured a while back, I believe that was episode 51. Um, so I don't know whether it would be, I mean, it would be great to discuss it with you, Konishu, issue five. Um, maybe we can we can do a slight, something slightly different for the discussion. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, like, let, let's tick it off as, you know, so we can just, you know, officially have that as a, done and dusted review um but yeah that will be uh, the warren ellis warren ellis issue five from his volume seven in our next phase um yeah and uh where can loonies find us mr Connishu? they can find us in a bunch of lovely places uh if you want to email us with any thoughts suggestions uh things just things idkmoonlight at gmail.com our website with all our episodes links to the collective podcast we're connected with fantastic group of podcasts and people uh, newsletters episodes are www.intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com facebook is facebook.com slash itkmoonlight twitter is at itkmoonlight uh, similar things post up episodes newsletters interacting with fans all that good stuff the big group with almost I think 700 members I was Woo-hoo. looking at yeah kicking off every day New content, always there, facebook.com slash group slash ITK Moon Knight. Post anything there, Moon Knight related, yeah. join in the lovely community. Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, podcast catches. Just search for Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. We're there. Yes. Well, you know, most. <laughs> oh, we try to be. We try to be. And, uh, and of course, just lastly as well, iTunes rating. If you like what you hear, it will be really helpful for us if you can drop us a review. Uh, and and Konishu and I will be more than happy to read it out, won't we, Konishu? Oh, love it. Yeah. be great. Uh, but it would be, we'll be forever grateful, really, because it does help us get um, on the radar uh, for other potential loonies out there. It just helps our podcast reach more people. So uh, if you could just drop a maybe a five-star That'd be that'd be good. Oh, if you drop any review, that'd be really appreciated. We we do really want to improve where we can, and we obviously enjoy hearing feedback. Um, all right, loonies. Well, as always, may Konshu watch over the denizens of the night. See you later. Thank you, wonderful people. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.